Welcome to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, where our goal is to connect listeners to the great outdoors with hosts Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. I'm host Ben Brandell, owner of Meant to Be Outdoors, instructor of outdoor skills, and passionate about personal growth. I'm host Brian Hoffmeyer, wildlife biologist and avid outdoorsman. Welcome back to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. I'm your host, Brian, with my co-host, Ben Brandell. And today is a special day because we have a special guest. We have Ryan Demrett here with us today, and he is an arborist. And he is going to be talking about his career, how he got started, and answering really a lot of questions about trees for us because an arborist is just that. They they are basically uh, someone who takes care of trees, plants trees, grooms trees, tree surgeons, if you will. And we're super excited to have you here today, Ryan. So welcome to the show. Well, glad to be here. So before we get started, I do want to say, you know, I just met you today. I've never met you before. I have heard a lot about you because you and Ben have known each other for a while. Uh, Ben, how'd you get to know this guy? Oh, man. Oh, man. The stories I could share. Um, you know, I can't even think of how many years ago it's it's been. It's been about 11. 11 yep. years ago, um, Ryan and I... Um, we're guiding for at-risk youth. Uh, there was an yep. organization that basically the kids that were in this organization were court-ordered to be there. And Ron and I got the opportunity to take them outdoors. And Ryan was awesome at it. Um, not only was he awesome for those kids, um, for me as another guide, I remember there were nights where him and I um, wept, like cried, overly cried <laughs> and i think some of that's from the lack of sleep we had there was just not a lot 100%, of sleep yes um but ryan and i bonded um you know the only example i can give is is when um men go off to war and the men that they're fighting that war with the bond that they um that they have you know when it's all done and and that's really where where ryan and i are at because the stories i could share are would, would take up the whole podcast but Really awesome um, Christian man, love him to death, and um, it really helped me to be um, who I am today. So, is that the truth, though, Ryan? Uh, it's pretty close, pretty close. So, Ryan, we're going to get to know you a little bit here, real quick, before we jump into really talking about being an arborist and some of your history. What is your favorite outdoor activity? If you could just pick one, ooh, just one. And that's tough. I so one of the things I really do enjoy is the bushcraft or primitive camping a lot. Um, I do a little less of that now because I've got a couple boys at home. Um, so I would probably say right now my favorite thing is is camping with my sons. Yeah, you'll just have to so, wait till those boys are old right. enough that you can do primitive camping right. with them. Right. Well, and I got I've got my three year old. He's got a little toy axe, a little toy knife, and we go pretend. Yes. So it's pretend, pretty fun. Pretend primitive. Pretend. I like it. Yeah. Right. Well, I think I, we love primitive skills too, but I think what most people don't realize is the difficulty that comes with that. When we teach our shelter program, we always right. end with a, a primitive shelter, and we never have ever fully finished one. We always do a debris hut, and we let them cover it in debris, but we never get that full arms like right. depth of debris. It's a lot. And we're using a whole group, and it takes time. So we really convey to them, if you were by yourself and you built a sufficient debris shelter, this would be so much work and time. And yes. I don't think people realize that when they just look on YouTube or TV and, and see the shelter that comes. Another one is the bow drill. Oh, man. Talk about a, talk about a physically strenuous yes. thing and to make a friction fire or 
people see that you can use a hand spindle to make a fire. That is so incredibly it is difficult. It is hard. Have you ever got a hand drill fire before? I've never got a hand drill, bow drill, but oh, no hand drill. I, I got it one time, and that's only because I had a buddy help me. Yeah. Like the two of us both spinning this thing. It's tough. It's, it's incredibly hard. So when you see people, when you see an edited video of them doing it in 30 seconds, that's not how it happened. <laughs> <laughs> that or that's all they ever do all right. the time. There are people that are better at it for right. for sure and uh, using the right kind of woods and making sure you have a great board and great spindle that are perfectly mated and right. uh, that can make it easier. But to do it in 30 seconds, time after time, man, that's it's that's tough. quite the feat. Ryan, have you, have you done much traveling in your life? And, and if you have, what is the coolest place you've ever been to that you're just like i can't believe god made that right um a couple couple places come to mind um one of the coolest places i've ever been to though um i got the opportunity to go on a missions trip when i was in college uh went down to sao paulo brazil um and then also got to go over to rio de janeiro um, and just check out what another country was like and, mm-hmm. and it is so pretty down there um the the mountains and the hills are just really gorgeous a lot of green flora um a lot of cool flowers and animals so yeah we have a friend that's in the military that's been all over the world and he says his favorite place is south america mm-hmm. he loves south america right. he will say it's quite dangerous in the <laughs> <laughs> that you need to be aware of that when you go but he yep. he loves he loves South America and the beauty and there are some some uh some safer places that you can go like vacation spots and and things like that. Do you want to share some of your background maybe where you grew up and and your education? Right. Yeah. So, um I grew up in Southwest Kansas, um out in the middle of nowhere. Um we moved around a little bit when I was in high school, ended up in Iowa for a little bit. Um, then I moved here to Missouri to go to college here at Evangel here in Springfield. Um, I majored in recreation, uh, which was a lot of fun. Um, that actually, I met Ben in college because I found that camp while I was was there, and um, was really why I decided to go the recreation route. Um, after that, really just kind of pursued the recreation side of things. Um, until eventually I ended up here. Yeah, when I when you guys talk about majoring in recreation, it, when I think about recreation, I'm like, you guys majored in you ma- you majored in playing. You majored in playing outside. Yeah, I, I paid a lot of money to <laughs> yeah. play outside. Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah, it costs a lot to go do that. <laughs> so, at your time at the ranch, you know, was is that where some of this started? This this arbory. How did you make that transition from uh, being a, a guide for at-risk youth to becoming an arborist. So, like Ben said, we we started in a summer camp program. Um, eventually, after I graduated college, started working there full-time. Uh, when I was working there full-time, they started a tree climbing program for the youth. Um, and it was one of, the, one of the things that I was in charge of. Really enjoyed it, loved it. Um, eventually, it was time for me to to move on because that that's a hard life with a couple kiddos and, and a wife mm-hmm. uh, so we we moved to Springfield and um, had an office job for a little bit and I absolutely hated it because I would watch everybody out the window and wish I was outside Need to get um, outdoors. Yeah. so I was like well I loved tree climbing and eventually want to start a tree climbing program 
for for kids and, and adults. So one of the steps to that is to become an arborist and, and to understand how trees work. So um, jumped in with, with the crew that I'm on today. So Very, very cool. I do have to ask uh, just an intriguing question I had. What is the purpose of a tree climbing program for the youth? What purpose did that serve for them? So just like any other program that you would run, whether it's backpacking or canoeing or kayaking or um, rock climbing or anything, it, it one gets them out of their element. Um, you use use the activity as a catalyst for change. Um, so and it, it really shows them that they can accomplish things that they never thought they could. Um, so you give them a little bit of a different perspective on themselves. That's really cool. So it sounds like your two passions, your passions for, for helping people, helping these kids and, and trees has really brought you kind of to where you're at today. It's really kind of cool to see those blend together because they seem so distinct and so different, but it's kind of interesting because God gives us these skills and these passions, but yet they all start to align for his purpose. And that's kind of what, what I'm getting from you here. That's really neat to see. Yep. Uh, so what exactly, now that you're working as an arborist, what do you do? What is an arborist? So um, an arborist is someone who takes care of trees and other woody plants in landscape. Um, so basically what that means is we take care of trees where people are involved. Huh. Um, so where forestry is guys that take care of trees out in the middle of nowhere, their tactics are a little different. Right. Um, than ours, but we're gonna gonna make sure everything's good to go um, around people's homes and where they live. Right. So. Yeah. And and so, if someone wanted to become an arborist, how do how did you even go about this process to become an arborist in your transition there? So it it's like an apprenticeship program. the The easiest way to do it is you get on board with a good company that that has certified arborists. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to have three years of experience. Once you have three years of experience, you can take a test and become a certified arborist yourself. So you really, you found somebody to work with and and you've jumped in and I'm sure most of your education has come on the job, which is interesting because going through college, you learn so much. And one of the things that I found out was I learned a lot more once I got out onto the job. And it's kind of cool to see that more of an apprenticeship style program um, and then, yeah, once you have the knowledge, you you get to show that you have the knowledge and the test and, and and be an arborist. So, Ryan, now that you've been an arborist for a couple of years and you've been through the apprenticeship program, what, what does your day look like? Do you have a lot of days that repeat that look the same or is it kind of an on your toes job where you never know what the next day is going to look like? So for us, we show up um, about seven o'clock in the morning and everybody just kind of hangs out, drinks coffee builds a little bit of a relationship. It's, it's a culture that, um, my boss Noel has chose to create. I um, love that. Yeah. It's, it's really neat. Um, it's really created kind of a brotherhood. Um, and at about seven thirty, the, the office gal comes down, tells us all that the fun is over and it's time to go to work. And she gives us our marching orders for the day. Um, and that tree work is tree work. So it, some of it does resemble, days past but you don't know what you're going to do mm-hmm. um until you get handed the the work order in the paper so you could be doing anything from taking a tree out with a crane uh to shearing shrubs uh, by hand so right it's real neat what about do you do a lot of uh, manual climbing or 
spend time in bucket truck or some so um to use my boss's words i'm not built like a tree climber (laughs) Um, uh, for those of you on the podcast that can't see me i I weigh about 275 280 pounds um i do climb so i i really enjoy it um i do use the buckets but i also carry a lot of things um drag a lot of brush so gotcha yeah that (laughs) <laughs> at least he's honest with you right he's, he's he's being honest and he still lets you go up sometimes you know as we look at the bible and and we read about plants and animals it's god's very clear we as humans as his children we have dominion um what role does an arborist really have in, in carrying out this this dominion this proper stewardship of local plants where we live right so um a few things that I can think of offhand. One, like I said, um, we're working with trees and plants around people's homes. Um, so it's our responsibility to make sure the health of the tree, because trees weigh a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think people realize that until you actually start working with them. Um, but you want to make sure they're healthy and they're not going to fall and crash and kill someone. Um, you also want to make sure you're, you're pruning them properly, making sure um, you're extending the life of the tree and extending the life of the entire ecosystem that lives in them. Um, so you're really kind of, I mean, I didn't even think about this, but it's that relationship, man. We talk so much about relationships. He's almost that, that mediator, that safety blanket between humans and the, and the trees that keeping everybody safe because there has to be a relationship there because yeah, we are living on the same ground. So many people's houses are surrounded by trees and it is a safety concern but we can't just go through and just chop every tree down right right and it sounds like i mean there are different reasons to to be an arborist honestly like you know going to people's homes and and really helping them with their investment like their homes or their property uh, making sure that their assets are being protected but it's also there is another side to this and and i know that you went to college and and got a, a recreation degree um from that, that helped you get out to the ranch and guide and teach outdoor activities. But you talked earlier about tree climbing and right. using that for youth. And, and I'd love for you to share more about tree climbing because how does an arborist, how can you use the knowledge of that um, to also help with tree climbs? If you could share that for us. Right. So um, basically what that is, is you're going to, to choose a large, healthy tree um, and, and set about we we did 12 ropes in the tree um and and the kids are actually they're climbing up a rope on on a knot uh, a friction hitch um so as they climb up they get to get into the canopy um sit on some branches climb up some branches um so like to help so like you you could you could go to a university um you could probably identify a tree that this could be done in or on and after you get permission, then then you're going to set this up to where you can um, have people climb up into this tree using ropes. Correct. So yes. it's 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 just like an adult version of climbing a tree as it's a kid. A hundred percent. That's and awesome. No. Yeah, and it's safe. So you know they're not going to fall out of a tree and and break their arm. So what is something that um, you know a non arborist, someone that just doesn't know a lot about trees, what is kind of a sign that when you're when you're setting up your, your tree climbs like this, looking at a tree, how do you know it's healthy? What's what's something that lets you know besides leaves? <laughs> but how do you know that it's a healthy tree? So when when you're looking at a tree and looking at whether or not it's healthy, you're gonna 
um, step back and, and you're going to look at that tree top to bottom from far away. Um, looking for the leaves is, is a good indicator, um, but looking to see if any of the crown is, is discolored. Um, any of the crown just doesn't look correct. Um, you're going to look for any large broken branches, anything that's hung up. Um, and as you walk in and get closer, you're going to start looking around the base of the tree. You want to see if the, it's got a good root flare, um, which is where the trunk starts to meet into the roots. You want to make sure it's not heaving the ground around it where it's trying to pull out of the ground on one side. Um, you're going to make sure that all of the unions or, or where branches connect to each other um, are large open unions because if they're they're close together they include the bark which makes a weak union where where branches can tear out and break um, you're looking for any fruiting bodies of, of fungus or any insect damage um, or any of this any of that stuff that can really be a detriment to the health of the tree and and species you're going to make sure it's it's a species that can be climbed on like an oak or a, a hickory or something like that so. so you're looking for healthy hardwood species trying to stay away yes. from the softwoods it sounds like and and crown is that can you kind of describe more of what you mean by when you say the crown of the tree so the the crown of the tree if you're if you're looking at a tree um or like the the iconic picture of a tree there's a trunk and then all of the leaves that kind of lollipop shape or whatever shape um the, the crown is where the leaves and the branches are. Okay. Yeah, that no that makes that makes perfect sense. I I didn't know if it was like the the very tip top, but yeah, all all the leaves, everything that's not the the trunk basically, right? Right. Cool. So people are really aware or shouldn't say they're really aware. They're they're becoming more aware of issues associated with invasive species. Uh, are are you kind of seeing a shift towards what people are requesting in their landscaping towards more native species, or do you think this invasive species thing is is a large issue? And I want to give an example so you know what I'm really talking about. Bradford pears in the past, <laughs> every house and every street yep. was just lined with them, but now they they have started to take in. Now it's a, a forestry guys issue yes. because they're starting to take over yes. our our forests, and so. Nurseries still have them, but I know a lot of companies aren't planting as right. many of them. What, what kind of shifts are you seeing? So um, the company that I work for, we we don't plant trees. We used to, mm. um, but we just have so much work. We can't keep up with what we're doing. Um, but I have started seeing um, a lot of Bradford pears come out. Um, we really push for that. We push for the the more aggressive invasive species to cut out. Um, Bradford pears just a trash tree it's it's not great um they're they're not stable they like to just fall apart yeah that's um, and if if you're listening and you have bradford pears do know that the reason that they're planted is because well they really are beautiful when they bloom they, they bloom really early in the year and they grow really really fast right but because they grow fast they are soft and that's what you're talking about right. every time a windstorm comes through you guys get a call to come clean it up. We probably. do, we do, and and that that included bark that I talked about earlier, um, because they grow fast, their branches grow together in in tight unions, and um, it just creates for for a weak uh, union between the branch and the trunk, and they just split in half. Um, yeah, 
Would you do a tree climb in a Bradford pear? <laughs> I have climbed a pear, but I wouldn't put anyone <laughs> in a Bradford pear. It's, it's not super safe. It. So no. what, what's a myth? What is one myth about trees that you think the general public probably really has that once you became an arborist, you were like, right. oh, that's not what I used to hear or thought? So uh, one, one that really comes to mind, and, and I'm going to say this, and there are exceptions to this, um, as you guys have always said with all your other myths, um, but, but the root structure of a tree. Uh, a lot of times people say, well, you see, you see that big tree out there. It, it goes down as far into the ground as it is tall and it spreads as wide as it is. Um, truth is, it doesn't really go down that far so the roots start at the ground you can see them you mow over them um, and then they spread out they do spread out a lot of times wider than the tree is wide but they don't go much further than a couple feet deep especially here in the ozarks when our soil is only about an inch deep yeah but yeah no that that's really good one i have heard that exact myth you're talking about people say if you look at a tree the root system underneath it is just as big or bigger than the tree is and maybe surface area that's really what roots are trying to do right. is cover that surface area with all their different capillary systems and things that come out so there may be more surface area and mass underneath the ground but not going as deep as right. the tree is tall yeah because i've heard before like when you look at what you're calling the crown yes. of the tree when you yes. look at that crown i've been told that it looks exactly the same underground like that crown shape right. is what you're going to find below the tree and that's just not true it, it's not so ryan What's the best time of year to one plant trees, but also like to get trees worked on? What's the best time of year for these activities? Right. So um, that is really species dependent. Um, for example, uh, with with oak trees, um, we don't work on them from early spring when it starts warming up. That's when the sap starts running into about August when, until it starts to slow down. Uh, because if you make a cut on an oak tree um, and that, that sap is at the end, there are beetles that smell it and they, they like to come and eat that sap. Well, around here we have what's called oak wilt. And if there is a tree in the vicinity that has oak wilt and that beetle had been eaten on it and it comes over, it'll give the tree that you worked on oak will um and if it does it, it's gonna die within a month um oh, wow. yeah it, it's very quick wow um so there there are some that we we don't work on for for health reasons of the tree there are things you can do if if we have to work on an oak tree you can paint over where you cut it and that does help um, but we try to just stay away from them um other than that we we don't stop running um even for the cold so we're we're moving hustling and bustling um as far as planting goes there are a couple camps um there's spring and there's fall there's goods and bads to both um so if you plant in the spring well you're going to get the rains that are going to help with water in this tree um, but you're also going to have to worry about it being oversaturated you're going to have to worry about the pests that are coming out that are going to want to eat on this young tree Um, if you do it in the fall there aren't pests but you got to water it Um, and you got to worry about it freezing over the winter so you you have to figure out how to cover it and, and let it get established ron for for homeowners that uh have trees in their yard you know when would they want to make that call to you like um if they're going to go look at their yard right now 
Um, what are some things that may stick out that they'd be like, you know what, I need to I need to call Ryan. I need him to come out here and help me with my tree. Right. So, I mean, there are a couple of the obvious ones. If, if your tree is making you nervous, um, if you, you look up at it and there's a lot of dead limbs or if you're like, man, that's kind of close to the house. I don't know if it's a species that's going to hold on well. Um, you can feel free to call a, a company in it. And I highly recommend you call a very reputable company. If a guy comes and knocks on your door and tells you that, that he needs to cut all the tops out of your tree, um, tell them thank you and, and no thank you. So, I mean, um, it sounds like there are, are men and women that um, possibly storm chase. So right, 100%. Because you have yes. storms come through. If, if, they're, if you have a storm come through and then someone knocks on your door about that storm, be cautious is what you're saying? Yes. Good. Yes. And there, there are about four or five companies in town that, that do great work. Um, they um, are certified arborists on every job. Um, and, and that's what you really want. You want somebody that's going to take care of the tree because in order for them to be a certified arborist, they, they have had to learn proper techniques with, with dealing with this tree. Um, another reason people call us is because the how the tree starts getting too close to the house and the branches are rubbing on the gutters or the roof or whatever. And, um, you, you can give us a call. We'll come look at it, tell you what we can and can't do to the tree. Um, yeah. I'm going to throw you a curveball here. Okay. It's not something we, we discussed or not one of the questions on our list, but something that is, has been pertinent in some of my past work. When someone, when there's a construction site, building a new building, building new facilities, and there's mature trees around that want to be protected, a lot of times you'll see, you know, it may take two or three years, but mm-hmm. a lot of times you'll see these awesome 150, 200-year-old trees. Right. They always die within a few right. years after construction. What are some... I guess maybe reasons why that happens and then ways that that can be prevented. So a couple of reasons that happens is construction equipment is very heavy. Mm. Um, it, it's hard. It, it's bulky. Um, when construction equipment is moving around, it's, it's one going to compact the earth around the tree, which makes it really hard for the root system to get in, to get water, um, to get the nutrients that it needs. It, it can also break up the root system because of how heavy it is. Wow. And then with it being in close vicinities, the trees, um, trees aren't as hard as the metal equipment that are that's driving under it or against it and you'll see wounds created by by equipment hitting the trunk or knocking branches off and and then it just has to fix itself um, through the compartmentalization that the tree does yeah and that's i think that's why a lot of times it it knocks their health back so they're able to survive another season or two but it's almost like the next time they have a hard winter or a hard spring even if they're a huge mature tree, they, they just don't make it. And so many times that's a, a sad reality of construction. And what I have found um, is that if you are having, if you are part of a construction project, even your home, say you buy a mm-hmm. property and you're having a home built, if there are trees on there that you want protected, it's up to you to protect them because right. most construction companies, they're not going right. to look out for these trees. You have to maybe barricade them off to keep uh, set up safe zones or something what you could you do so and you can call an um a company with arborists and they can set up what are called tree protection zones um so what that is is we'll come out and we'll put up a snow fence or or a, a barrier where equipment shouldn't come any closer to that tree mm-hmm. um and it, and it really is out past the crown just a little bit or the drip line 
which is the very edge of the crown, um, to make sure equipment doesn't come in and compact the earth or come in and start knocking about all the branches or the trunk. Um, if you have to dig a line right through um, where the root system is, we have what's called an air spade, which what that is is just a super high power air cannon. Uh, we can blow all the dirt away in a trench and it leaves the roots there and then the line can be ran. Um, so there are ways to protect the trees. Um, wow. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the Lorax, you know? <laughs> yeah. Protect all the trees from getting cut down for, for furthering of humans, for sure. Is there any, you know, we as humans, we're all, we try to eat healthy and, and get vitamins and stuff to stay to stay healthy. Is there anything, if you have a tree that you love or it's part of a construction project, are there like... Uh, vitamins or hormone treatments or fertilizers or things that you can do for trees to help them be healthy? Um, And there are, and I don't know a ton about that. Um, We do have a uh, plant health care side of our organization, and and we got some guys that are super smart with that. Um, that's, That's more... Um, certifications beyond just an arborist, uh, but they do have hormones they can give. They have different things they can do to different trees and, and to help revitalize those. Wow, that's awesome. Just thought of another question that a lot of people have about trees or that you hear people give a lot of information about trees a lot, and that's their relationship with vining and climbing plants. Oh, I hate vines, man. And why is that? Oh. Well, one, most vines in in this area are super invasive. Mm -hmm. So like one that comes to mind is Euonymus. Mm -hmm. Um, It was was established or brought in as a ground cover Um, because as a ground cover, it works great. You can plant one Euonymus plant and it will just offshoot and and cover a bunch of ground really fast, but it also climbs Um, and it gets up into trees and it starts to choke things and and wrap itself around branches and competes for light. Um, Euonymus will will essentially shade out different parts of the tree. Um, It's just not great. Yeah, and and the common name for Euonymus is uh, winter creeper. And what frustrates me more about it than anything, Ryan, is that you can go to nursery after nursery after nursery, and you can buy them by the thousands right. and plant them in your landscaping. You can. You can. So I and, wish it would go away. Oh, it, it's terrible. And it you can't kill it very easily. Um, you can cut it off your tree. And I've cut a lot off trees, but then you have to keep it off your tree and, and keep pulling it off. Um, so what would you recommend if people do have trees that have vines growing up in them how, do, how would they what should they do so um if they're if they're small enough because some of these vines will get really big um like as thick as your arm mm-hmm. um if they're small enough you can you can cut them pull them off if they're super integrated into the bark and, and bark's going to come off with it don't don't um just cut it um in a couple places and and, and make a gap so it can't re-sprout um and let it die out of the tree and it will fall out on its own um, a lot of times so and then once you've cut it you have to go back and you have to continue to make sure it's not climbing up that tree Um, so if it's ground cover if it's euonymus that's ground cover you can keep it mowed down Um, but if it's on the tree or close to the tree don't weed eat next to the tree don't mow next to the tree because we don't want to injure the the root flare there um but go in and cut it with hand pruners or pull it or keep it back now here in the ozarks we have grapevine and it's a Mm -hmm. native species 
Um, is that okay? Is that grapevine? Um, grapevine still co- cohabitate, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. I mean, it, it can. Grapevine's better off in the forest than it is in your yard because um, it does. It is also a parasitic vine. It will kill trees. Um, so, or you can maybe cultivate it, wrap around a fence, and have some grapes. It's right. up to you. Yeah. So, so I I have heard too like. Some people will like the grapevine, but they'll they'll kind of let it go. Mm-hmm. But as they say, it gets up more higher into the crown. That's when it's time to make sure it doesn't go any further. Or should you just stop it to begin with? I I hate vines. Maybe that's just because <laughs> it's what I do for a living. But um, I wouldn't let it in or on my tree. Period. Right. Um, it's probably a safety hazard for you guys. It can be. Yeah. So. so do you have any favorite projects? Like you, you've been doing this for several years now. As an arborist, do you have a favorite project that just really sticks out in your memory? I I don't necessarily have one project that, that is a favorite. I do have different things that we do that I enjoy. Yeah, what do you um, like doing the most? So I, I do enjoy climbing. I do um, really enjoy doing like cabling in trees. So so what that is is you're, you're creating a support um, for a lot of times you'll see it in like a maple tree, but a, a tree that just kind of has a weaker union down towards the bottom. Um, and, and it's just got too much weight. So you're, you're putting in a cable or you're putting in a rope, um, to help that tree move more functionally together and not split in half. Um, that's always really cool. Cause you're saving a tree kind of, um, and that's then, a new one on me, Ryan. Yeah. It's, it's a neat deal. You, you can add some years to the life of the tree. So, which is cool. So, let me see if I get this. So, you have a big maple tree. Right. And maybe it has your main trunk, and then it wise off into two pretty good-sized right. pieces, but maybe those pieces are starting to drift apart or, or split apart. Right, yes. And you basically wire them back together, like if I broke my arm? Kind of. So, they won't grow back together a lot of okay. times. Um, <laughs> so, one, once... So if it's an included union that that's a weaker union, um, what you're doing is you're just providing a little extra stability, um, about two thirds up into the crown from the defect, um, so that it can flow and move together in a windstorm. Um, if it is a crack, so any tree can get a crack down the trunk or whatever. Um, you can also prevent any sort of, of excess splitting by doing the same thing but it it won't form back together it may try to heal over itself with um the way that trees work but it won't create a new solid tree you know ryan on my property um i actually have a zip line and it is it's it's fun it's a kid's zip line so you and i uh we have to really be careful because there is a weight maximum okay but (laughs) but it is fun so um, but what happened is, is, is on the zip line, one of my trees the other day, um, actually got hit by lightning really? and I do not know if it's going to make it. So I may need you to come out, take a look <laughs> at this thing. Um, but w- in regards to lightning, um, have you seen some, what's the craziest tree you've seen with lightning and, and have you actually seen a tree get hit by lightning? You've got any good lightning stories? Um, so I've, I've never seen a tree get hit by lightning, um, when I was a kid, I saw a hay bale get hit by lightning. Wow. Um, yeah, it, 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 it was, did it catch on fire? It did. It did. Well, I, I grew up in Kansas, so it was the highest point 
in like hey, 30 miles. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it, it like split in half. It was on fire. It was cool. Um, but lightning. So around here, a lot of times lightning strikes happen a lot on walnut trees, believe it or not. Um, I don't know what it is. I, I think it has to do with some of the electric lights that they have. Um, but one of the cooler ones that I've seen, there's a property, um, in one of the towns near here called Ozark, um, that has a pretty big walnut tree that got hit and then snapped out of it, um, and, and continued to grow and continued to thrive, um, that we got to work on. It was pretty cool. You know, I have seen some trees, um, that's been hit and I don't know if they're using this correctly, but I've seen a lot of foam, this spray foam. A lot of people come in and, and spray the the cracks of these trees. Like um, again, I don't know if it's something they've they've purchased a, a product for the tree or if it's literally just a spray foam they're buying from the <laughs> hardware store. But does that work? Is that something someone should do to the tree? So, what I will say is, spray foam is better than concrete. Um, <laughs> wow, I didn't. Yeah. So people have so, put, you've seen concrete in trees? Yes, wow. and you you'll be we we've worked on trees and the guy. Um, that's taking it out because the tree is is now dead because it's got concrete in it. <laughs> we didn't know it had concrete, but he'll be you know eight ten feet up cutting on the on the trunk and and just hit something hard and it turns out there's concrete there. Mm. Um, but along the same lines for, as the spray for anybody foam. out there that uses a chainsaw, I mean that just your teeth start gritting right <laughs> yeah, there. Like your blade is so precious and you you oh man yeah that was the mm, yes, sound I made. Oh. Like there goes the blade and maybe the bar and. <laughs> Right. I mean, well, tough on a saw, man. Yes, and they they're expensive, and yeah, yeah we we've ruined a few that way. But um, I I think the idea behind that is is if you fill the hole, it prevents any pests or anything coming in or extra rot. Um, the spray foam, I mean, it it will it will prevent rot. Um, but like I said, it's better than concrete. Mm. I've saw I've seen a huge. I'm talking like four or five foot in in breast height diameter oak tree get hit by lightning out in the middle of a pasture, and it blew a crack out of that tree and pieces of this thing were like a hundred yards away, and that tree is still alive. This was yep. four or five years ago. I couldn't believe That's that it crazy. survived it and how much of this tree I got blown out of it and how far it went and that that tree survived. It was right. amazing to me. It is because then you flip it and what we just talked about is. Uh, one dozer driving close to a tree can can kill it. So can. it is wild to to what a tree can bear, and then know what it can't. You know. Right. So me personally, and probably most people, I I have some tree species that they're my favorite. I just right. I like them whether they're they're pretty in the spring or they. Maybe it's just because well, of you're a deer wood. lover. You know it's oak. He <laughs> loves his acorns. Come I on. know which trees are good for wildlife and deer species. <laughs> right. So that's that's what it is. But what what about you? What are your some of your favorite tree species and maybe ones that you would recommend people consider to put around their homes? Right. So kind of this is kind of a double edged question because I I do have some that I really like that are really neat but you shouldn't plant them. Okay, um, what are those? So um, one of them being a holly tree, I think there are such cool trees, which for those of you who have holly bushes in your front yard, um, those are actually trees. You should probably just let them grow. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have this really pretty red berry that everybody loves, and, and birds love it too. 
So that means that we'll escape and, and become an invasive species. Correct. So uh, you probably we actually hunt that. a property that has a couple holly trees right. out in the middle of this this timber stand, and it's wild because we're going through there in the winter, and there's this green tree. Green. I right. mean, it is a <laughs> waxy cool. green tree. Yeah. 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 They're they're neat, and they're one of my favorites. Um, probably just because. Most people think it's a bush, but it can get like 70 feet tall. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, and they stay a bush just because of the way that they're groomed? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So typically people go in with a pair of shears and just form them to whatever shape they want in front of their house and um, essentially just stunt it from ever growing up. Right. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Um, so what what is what is one that you like that people should consider? So um, I really like burr oaks. Um, they get real big. They're really pretty. They have cool acorns. They have a really awesome acorn they cap. Do. Yeah, they do. Um, I like hickory trees. Um, so sweet gums are pretty cool. They're, they're not native to this area, um, but they don't tend not to escape. Um, but they make a great shade tree for your backyard and they do have a, a, fruitless variety of sweet gum. So if you don't want the sweet gum balls, you can get all the cool shade tree stuff without the sweet gum balls. Yeah, growing up as a kid at our pl- our yard that we lived in there, uh, we had sweet gum. And you're talking about you don't want to run through barefoot no. when those hit the ground. No. But, um, the, but you're telling us there's a version where... There is. Wow. Yep, somebody awesome. created a cultivar that um, doesn't produce any of the gum balls. This is a personal question for me. <laughs> Ryan, how do you feel about honey locust trees? I like honey locusts, believe it or not. Not not in like a landscape That's setting. It. We're cutting you off the yeah. podcast. <laughs> You're done. I know. I know. <laughs> so, well, that that kind of goes back to my childhood. Like I said, I grew up in Kansas, and that's about the only thing that'll grow that and cedar trees uh-huh. down on the river. So, You know, I will say... From the wildlife side, the pods of a honey locust tree, actually deer will eat them. People can actually eat them. There is an edible part of that pod, and it's actually really sweet when it's it turns good. to sugar. But yep. they grow so fast. They're invasive. They take over everything. They break a lot, too. They do a lot of uh, self-pruning, so you get a lot of, of broken lower limbs off of them with these big thorns on it. And I know a lot of – you can go through a lot of municipalities that when they built their city squares or – or built their curbs that divided their streets, their medians, they will plant the thornless varieties in right. there. And it does it does make for them to have a good aesthetic, but you still have the messy pods and stuff to deal with too. You do, yeah. Yep. Okay, Ryan, we've talked a lot about, we've learned a little bit about you, things that you like to do, your education background, what an arborist is, and, and basically what you, what you do for a job. And we really appreciate you sharing that. I've learned Absolutely. a lot. It's been really intriguing. And that's all really important, but even more important than that is is our eternity and, and that right. every human being is faced with eternity. Would you mind sharing a little bit of your testimony and your walk with our Savior with our listeners? Right. Yeah. So um, I grew up in a Christian home. Uh, my parents were in church anytime the doors were open, which meant I was in church anytime the doors were open. I uh, spent a lot, of, a lot of Sunday nights sleeping under a pew. Um, but uh, really that, that shaped my outlook on life and, and really wanted to, to become a pastor or a, a missionary eventually. Um, so I decided to go, like I said, to Evangel University, um, which 
I think the, it was the grace of the Lord that I, I found the camp and, and got to find my passion um, in recreation. But um, I kind of lost sight of that while I was in college. Um, some of the guys that I hung out with were, I'll say, apathetic, um, which, as you know, if you hang around apathetic people, you become apathetic. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to a Christian school and left with a drinking problem yep. is, is probably the best way to put that. Um Went down kind of a, a rough road there. Um, got into working, working some construction work with some rough individuals, and um, one day I looked up and decided that's that's not who I was created to be or where I wanted to be. Um, so I, I would say I rededicated my life to the Lord. Um, told Him that He would be. Uh, the Lord of my life, that I would would pursue His truth and pursue Him for for the rest of my life, and and that's when I moved back to Missouri after school and and started working for uh, the ranch full time, um, and then eventually got married to to one of the guides that Ben and I worked with. Um, so, yeah, I've been been in pursuit of of the Lord ever since, which is is the best decision I have ever made, um, in my opinion. Um, and, and now it's, it's my choice. It's, it's my decision and not just what my parents told me it should be. So, yeah, I appreciate you sharing with that. And I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's somebody that, that can connect with that. Everybody's walk is different, but so many people have, have similar walks and it's so important. God talks about the community that, that we share and encourage earlier. So others, and I really appreciate you sharing what it did remind me of and, and and made me think of is that so often you you mentioned the word apathetic and ap- apathetic people that people reject Christ even though they may have walked with Christ earlier in their life they may start to walk away from them or maybe they never walk with Christ or have been putting that off for so long because you do have to reject the world Right. You have to reject the world, and people don't want to do that because you can find bits of happiness, these tiny little moments in things right. like drinking, um, doing many other things that you're not supposed to be doing if you are a Christ follower because it's not honoring Him. But you have to turn from those things, and a lot of times that means turning from people in your life, maybe right. even where you live in your in your location. And, and you could see some of that in your story. And I just hope that somebody would be encouraged by that, that take those steps, take those steps in faith to honor Christ and do the things that Christ has to do. That's not giving you your salvation. Right. But Jesus' Jesus' death on the cross and, and him covering all of our sins, past, present, and future, is giving us our salvation. But we are called to walk in a way that is like Christ to honor him. Right. So that others can see that way. And if you're not feeling conviction when you do something that is opposing that, then you're probably not saved. You're probably not walking with right. Christ. Right. So, and I, I definitely think I know that you said it doesn't doesn't give us our salvation, but I think I want to do that because of the salvation that was provided for me and the relationship that I have with Christ. Yeah, so. that works comes after the salvation. You it does. you want to go do? Um, you know, I, the the piece that I want to add to that is that. Um, yeah, you gave your life to Christ and you're living for Him, and you said it's your best decision. In that decision, life is still tough. Yes. Challenges still come. And and those listening, 
you know, you may have heard and you may hear people talk about, I gave my life to Jesus and everything is awesome. Um, for some of us, living for Jesus is awesome, but it doesn't make living this life awesome. It makes right. it sometimes more difficult. And, you know, not to use a bad metaphor, but you can see healthy trees, um, trees that are, there that are, are super healthy, but a little nick can cause that death. It right. can cause those problems, those challenges. And so sometimes we need people to come in and, and help us, you know, to help us to get healed. Absolutely. And and hopefully uh, you listen to this podcast. If if uh, any of this is resonating with you, um, make the change, right? Serve him. Um, before we do wrap up, though, Ryan, I want to thank you as a friend. You know, you you and I personally, um, have for, I guess, 11 years ago, we're really, really close. And, and I know life takes us on different journeys and right. and I'm so glad that we got to, to do this today and to be back together again and um, I just can't thank you enough personally for you coming out and, and being on this and, and sharing your heart sharing what you do and sharing who you are um, it is nerve-wracking to talk about crisis nerve-wracking to talk about what you do and, and you did awesome so I just thank you for for being here for us today yeah and thanks for having me on guys yeah I hope everybody enjoyed having Ryan on today I hope you learned as much as we learned from him, maybe you're even inspired to uh, give Arbery a, a career. Maybe somebody wants to be an arborist now. That would be so cool. But I hope you understand his passion for the outdoors. He loves helping people um, through the outdoors, and he got away from, from working in an office because of his passion to be outdoors. So if, if you have that, pursue working outdoors, spend time outdoors. It is healthy for you. It's healthy for your family. It, it's really healthy for all involved. If you are enjoying this episode if you have enjoyed the meant to be outdoors podcast this year in 2023 please support us by following all our social media accounts facebook instagram and tiktok also please hit the automatic download and subscribe button also we've had a lot of reviews coming in lately on itunes if you would be so kind as to uh, go down write a review when this episode is over it really helps our podcast go up the rankings so that other people can find it as well that is it for this episode of the meant to be outdoors podcast We'll be back next Tuesday with a new episode, but as always, between now and that time, we hope that you find time to get outdoors. Thank you for listening to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, hosted by Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. Please help us by subscribing. Also, follow along on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook.